the scripture we want to look at this morning is found in uh, the third chapter of Romans, as Pastor announced. And we're going to be looking at verses um, 21 through 26. Uh, let me introduce it this way. Uh, the name Martin Luther may or may not be familiar with you, but Martin Luther is considered the father of the Protestant Reformation. And uh, uh, a rediscovery of a biblical truth that was taught by the Apostle Paul and then by Augustine and by others in church history, but had been lost. And so in about the 15th century, Martin Luther had a remarkable experience with God in which he, became to, he came to understand what has been called the, the doctrine of justification by faith. He says of the text that we're going to look at this morning, the chief point and very central place of the epistle, speaking of the letter to the uh, church at Rome, uh, uh, <clears throat> is the, he says this, he says, uh, it is uh, the very center point, not only of the letter, but of the whole Bible. So as we look at this text this morning, it's a very important text. Now let me read it for you, and uh, uh, some of this will be uh, up on the screen, but it reads this way. But uh, let me get it up here. I have problems with the light always. So here we get it this way. Uh, <clears throat> but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace of gift, uh, his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. And I want to thank Garrett uh, Castro for his incredible sermon last Sunday. Uh, uh, he talked to us about the assignment, and that has really resonated in my heart all week, and I've given a lot of thought to it, and it certainly influences what I have to say to you today. Because uh, the title I want to put on this sermon is Proclaiming Redemption a delight and a duty. Proclaiming redemption, a delight and a duty. There are a, a number of words in here, at least uh, three or four, I would say, in this text that really need a definition, need further definition. One of them is the very word itself, redemption. And what does that mean? Well, in the biblical context, it has uh, two thoughts attached to it. The first thought is that uh, of buying a slave out of the slave market. Buying a slave out of the slave market, paying a ransom for that slave, paying a price for that pray, uh, uh, slave, and then it is to release the, uh, the slave to go freely where he will with the promise that he would never be offered up for sale again. So it's a very significant word this word redemption, and I know it's used in uh, common 
verbiage, but we need to sense how important that word is us is to us, and we'll develop the thought as we go along. Uh, the second way it's used is as of a washing, a cleansing. So redemption has to do with the payment of a price to liberate a slave, and it also has to do with a washing or a cleansing as well. Uh, having said that, think about the overarching theme of the Bible. And there's many ways that you can look at the Bible thematically. But one of the ways that I like to look at the Bible is that it is the story of human redemption. The story of human redemption, and it begins something like this. If you take the first five books, the Pentateuch, uh, it is the beginning of redemption, and that would be from Genesis uh, to Deuteronomy. Uh, the next major section of the Bible, those, that section is called the historical books. And it will go from uh, uh, Joshua to the book of Esther. And in there we see the need for redemption over and over again, uh, the history of, of, the, of people, and particularly the people of God, the Jewish people, was that they would drift away from God and they desperately needed a redeemer because, like us, they were very sinful people. Uh, the third movement in the Old Testament we could call the cry for redemption. And so if you read, say, from Job through the Song of Solomon, you, you hear the human cry for a liberator, somebody to set uh, us free. And uh, there is uh, the up and down of living through life with its highs and its lows, and there's a cry for somebody to come to help us. And then you come to the last major section of the Old Testament. We call that the prophets. And the prophets are wonderful, beginning with Isaiah, going through Malachi. They talk about a person who is to come. And one of the reasons we believe the Bible is because of its prophecies. It's God forecasting well in advance future events. But the greatest announcement of God for all time is found in the Old Testament and the pronouncement that a Messiah will come, a Redeemer will come. And then you move over into the New Testament and the Gospels, the first four books, uh, Matthew through John. And you're introduced to the most remarkable person that the world could ever know. Who can make up a Jesus? The world can't make up a Jesus. Only God can reveal Jesus. A, a, a person that comes, lives a perfect life, uh, dies as an atoning sacrifice, is raised from the dead, ascends on high, and then is going to return in power and might and glory. How do you make up such a person as that? Foreign to our thoughts. And yet the gospel comes, and as you read it, you discover this incredible, wonderful person of Christ. And then his story is refined and clarified and the means of redemption comes to us from Acts to the book of Jude. Those letters in there, they're talking about how we have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And then finally we come to that book that we all try to understand. It remains a mystery in many ways. Great allegory. I confess to you, I don't understand Revelation, but I know it's in the Bible. I know it's true. I know it's an allegory. 
and it talks to me about consummation, how this is all summed up in Jesus Christ. So we can say that the Bible is the story of human redemption. Now, in this text, I want to point out four points, uh, four takeaways, and I'll just touch them briefly. The first one is this. Redemption is crucial. Redemption is crucial crucial because the wages of sin is death, we learn later on in Romans. But here we learn that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God is portrayed in this story of redemption as being holy and perfect in all of his, his ways, without flaw. We are described as being lost human beings, alienated from God, not just alienated from him, but in fact his enemies. And it displays then uh, to us that how can a sinful person get to an, a, a perfect God? How can I, as an unholy man, approach a holy God? There's a gap, and it must be bridged because I'm alienated and separated from God, and the consequences are great. Wages of sin. They're, it's death, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When I think about that, and I think about cost, uh, 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 what does redemption cost? Because it incorporates a payment to be made. So not only is redemption crucial, it's a matter of life and death, uh, and, and thinking about that just a little, notice how ev uh, evangelistic people are for the COVID vaccine. How evangelistic they are about wearing a mask. On the other hand, think about how evangelistic people are about not taking the shot. How evangelistic they are about not wearing the mask. It comes down on both sides. And what is the concern? The concern is for the preservation of your natural life. Jesus said this, what should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So in the economy of God, it is not so much your flesh that he is concerned with and your natural life he is concerned with, though he is. His greater concern has to do with the eternity of your soul, uh, and that is at his very heart. So I say to you, do you understand how crucial it is that not only you be redeemed, but that you pro proclaim evangelistically, uh, as, uh, as uh, 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 Garrett was urging us to do last week, the glories of the redemption that comes to us through Christ. Redemption is crucial. Redemption is costly. Well, what did it cost? Uh, we learn in this scripture that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Now, that's a, a word we don't use often, but what it really means is to satisfy an obligation. It has to do with a ransom to be paid. And what was the cost of your redemption and my redemption? It was the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. But that blood has to be perfect. It has to be righteous. Jesus Christ comes, and he fulfills the promise of the Lamb of God who will come 
and take away the sins of the world. There is such adequacy in the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that every sin that's been committed on planet Earth from the beginning of time to the end of time can be washed away. That's how precious is the blood of the Lamb. How precious is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it is cleansing for all who will turn to him in faith. Uh, also, it is costly to the redeemed. I want you to think about it this way. It was costly for God to give his only son, our Redeemer. It will be costly for you to follow Christ. It doesn't mean that the gift of salvation is not free. Something can be free, but it can be extremely costly. And so Jesus put it this way. If any of you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I'm not for certain sure that you can really be born from above, really be a child of God, unless you're willing to take up your cross and follow him. Well, what does that mean? It means I'm no longer in charge. I've come to Jesus Christ, and I've bowed before him. I've declared him to be the Lord of my life. He is large and in charge, and I humbly bow before him and say, here I am, Lord, I belong to you. And we do it not because it's a work of righteousness, but because it's a love bond with Jesus Christ. At this men's camp, this is what we experience. Uh, we're, we're playing games together, shooting guns and doing all that stuff. But the reality is we talk, we eat meals together, we enjoy one another, and something happens to our hearts. And I have to tell you uh, what I'm discovering in this church presently is a profound sense of God's love, how we love one another. And where does that come from? It comes from the heart of God. We know that he loves us. That's why the scripture teaches us that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that can only flow out of a love for God. And where does that come from? It's born in the heart out of a sense of appreciation of the high cost that Jesus paid for us at Calvary. So, redemption is free, but at the same time, it's extremely expensive. It costs Jesus his life, but keep this in mind. Uh, what followed the crucifixion? It was a resurrection, and we have a different Jesus after the resurrection than we had before the resurrection. We have a Jesus who is is portrayed in his glory and his resurrected power and life. He ascends to the right hand of the Father, where in majesty he sits and he intercedes for us. Likewise, Jesus said, if you take up your cross and follow me, if you deny yourself and follow me, uh, and you just give your life away from me, you're going to find life and you're going to find it in abundance. He says, if you forsake your father and mother, if you forsake your family and you follow me, uh, you'll have a hundredfold in this life and eternal life in the life to come, in the age to come. So the most reasonable thing a person could ever do is to surrender his or her life to Jesus Christ because that's where true life is to be found. So I would say this, that 
Redemption is crucial. Redemption is costly. But redemption is certain. Now catch this. God declares you to be righteous, not apart from the works of the law, on the basis of a simple faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what do I mean by faith? So many people think that, uh, you know, here it is. I got my wallet right here. I've got several credit cards in here. I got my ATM card to give you access to my bank account. It's not all that much, but you can have access to it, all right? Uh, uh, and when you, when you think about uh, what, what it means to be declared righteous on the basis of faith, it's not, it's not a currency. Faith is not a currency. Oh, if I only have more uh, faith, then I can uh, live a better life. I, I, I can be a better person, or I can buy from God, if you will, whatever little uh, 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 thing that I like, the stuff of life. I can buy some of that stuff because I have enough faith. It's not about that. It's about trust. It's about agreeing with God about his son, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by him, that he is the only way to God, and it's to trust God with your eternal, uh, your eternity, with your foreverness, is trusting him. And when you trust God, something awakens in your heart. And when you go through the shadows of life and the dark periods in life, there's an assurance. And the certainty is based upon uh, the Godhead. Think about this. It is God who declares you to be righteous on the basis of your faith in Jesus Christ. So the God of the universe, Father God, the judge of the universe, declares from heaven's bench, if you will, that you are right with him predicated on the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of his son. Uh, the father is radically committed to you. The son is radically committed to you because he is the mediator between God and man. He stands before God and man. He makes intercession for us, and he is the guarantor of our redemption because of his work. And it doesn't stop there. You at some point in your life, or even now, something stirs in your heart. I ask you this question. Where did you get this desire to follow God? How did our pastor, a non-church kid, one day have in his heart a desire to know God? I will tell you where that came from. It was impregnated by the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God came to convict of sin, or to convince of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. So it's the Holy Spirit drawing us, uh, awakening us to our need for God. And we awaken to him, and then God sends his Spirit within us and seals us by the Holy Spirit for time and eternity. And if God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, how shall he not freely with him give us all things? One final thought. God, it is, redemption is crucial. Redemption is uh, uh, what? It's costly. See, I, I was testing you. <laughs> Senior moment. <laughs> redemption is certain. You have a for sure salvation, but let me tell you one other thing. Redemption is 
comforting. I know that firsthand. I know it in our journey through life. It's more real today than it's ever been for me. Uh, just a little update on Anita. As you know, uh, we've going through some medical things here that we were not prepared for at all. Uh, um, as much as I enjoyed getting away with the men, I went with a very heavy heart. After my men's Bible study on Thursday, we got the call from the doctor. They had done the PET scan, and she has lymphoma, and it's in her lymph glands. Now, I don't know where that will take us, but I know this, that God is going with us wherever we go. On Tuesday of this week, and you can be praying about this, they'll do a needle biopsy. There's a mass in her stomach. Uh, uh, but happily, she's not sick. <laughs> she's got a bad hip. But that, that we had no in, uh, uh, thought that she would have anything like this, and we still don't know what it is. So really, it's life uh, as it's been for a long, long time. It's living one day at a time. It's trusting God, and God is our comforter. He is our solace. He's our ever-present help in the time of need. And we know this, and this is our assurance, that when we close our life in, lives in death on this side, in a nanosecond we awaken into the eternity that God has for us, made whole and complete. And that's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, there's an old song that we sang for years in church, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed so happy in Jesus, his child, and for I am redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. Well, I don't know where you're at this morning in your faith journey, but I am confident of this. That if you say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I take up my cross. I follow you. I'll go where you lead me. I'll do what you tell me to do. I am your child, and forever I am. Uh, child, and forever I am. And uh, it's not about me, but it's about service to you, living in a love relationship. Amen.